Welcome to the channel of Anna Purdue. Look for the link below the podcast and make sure to upload the podcast so you can multitask while hearing the message. And you can also look for the link and um, once you open it up, you can scroll over and select your favorite platform, Apple, Spotify, or Google, and just look for the channel Anna Purdue. A huge shout out to Angela E, Jolie R, Leonard L, Jody F, and Rodney T for your donations to the channel. If you're interested in helping this channel, you can do so by clicking the donation link found on my website at annapurdue.com. Two separate investigations of ice drilled at Lake Vostok, a suspected body of subglacial water deep in the Antarctic interior, indicate the bacteria may live thousands of meters below the ice sheet. The findings by two National Science Foundation researchers are scheduled to be published in December. Two research teams led by David M. Carl from the University of Hawaii and John C. Prisku of Montana State University examined fragments of ice taken from roughly 3,600 meters below the surface which is about 120 meters above the interface of ice and suspected water. Both teams found bacteria in accreted ice and ice believed to be refrozen lake water. The teams conclude that a potentially large and diverse population of bacteria may be present in the lake. If so, this bacterium answers an intriguing scientific question about whether an extremely cold, dark environment which is cut off from a ready supply of nutrients can support life. Wordman at MC Madness News Blogspot has unveiled some very interesting information. His blog begins with March in the year of 2001, and things are rumbling in the Antarctic. Lake Vostok, largest of Antarctica's subglacial lakes, began exhibiting strange symptoms some 20 years ago, readily apparent to the scientific team at McMurdo Station. Wild magnetic swings out of the blue, strange samples of heretofore unknown bacterial life, and then things started getting really weird. From this report on the old cyberspace orbit site, approximately 300 miles from the South Pole, there is a lake, a very large lake, and it is Lake Vostok. It is also located over three quarters of a mile beneath the continental ice sheet. The best photos of Lake Vostok are from space, where the outline is clearly visible. Current ice-penetrating radar studies indicate that the water is up to 2,000 feet deep in places and has an overarching dome of about a half a mile high. Estimates for filtered light at the lake's surface indicate something like continuous first-morning light during Antarctica's summer months. Thermograph imaging proposes an amazing 50-degree average water temperature with hot spots near 65 degrees. This can only be attributed to subsurface geothermal heat sources. At 300 miles long and 50 miles wide, the encapsulated atmosphere should have the ability to cleanse itself through interaction with the lake and possibly plant life. Also proposed as a possible route for atmospheric interaction with the lake's environment are what are being labeled geothermal boils. 
These are thousands of bubbles in the ice sheet located in some 200 square miles of ice dunes discovered by the late Russian scientist Ivan Toscovy, who was stationed at Vostok Research Base until his disappearance in March of 2000. The surveyed bubbles range from a few to several hundred feet in diameter. Quite possibly just as exciting as all the data related so far is the discovery through magnetic imaging that there is an extremely powerful source of magnetic energy located at the north end of the lake shoreline. As of today, no one has suggested an explanation for the magnetic anomaly. As recently as February 2000, at least two international teams were planning separate probes of the lake. Both consisted of fairly similar robotic sensors that would have been lowered through the shafts to be drilled. The team, based at Cambridge University, London, was sponsored by the UK and US governments and backed by NASA technology. For reasons not clear, both programs have been shelved indefinitely, with NASA going so far as to deny any involvement and both governments citing environmental concerns. An independent source that visited Norway's research base some 150 miles to the east stated that a large amount of new equipment and personnel have been arriving at Russia's Vostok station over the last six months. This is interesting considering Russia's current financial situation. A final note is a verified dispatch out of Casey Station, Australia. The pair of women adventurers who were attempting to ski across the continent last month were extracted by plane during the last leg of their trip did not request that intervention. Over the protest of the Australian crew at Casey, the two were airlifted via an extraordinary 48-hour flight by a USN Special Forces team out of American Samoa. According to the dispatch, the women were insistent on reporting something unusual they had seen. The latest re news reports have the pair resting in seclusion? And this space mapping mission of Antarctica aborted due to NSA override. In a brief announcement recently, NASA and the JPL terminated all further study of Lake Vostok in South Antarctica. And an apparent slip of confidentiality, spokeswoman Deborah Schingteller alluded to national security issues allowing the NSA to assume full control of what had been an international effort to explore a huge under-ice lake near the Russian Vostok Research Station. Mishing Teller was immediately led away from the podium, and an aide responded to the many further questions with the same answer. The project has been halted due to environmental issues and that no further releases were pending. The large crowd of press corps were left clamoring as the officials left the stage. Miss Shingteller has not responded to repeated attempts at contact. Let's remember, thriving at cold temperatures here, perhaps the native habitat? 
extremely relevant in light of what people like Dr. Jane Ruby, Karen Kingston, and Carrie Madej have been finding in the most recent venom samples. Dr. Jane Ruby discovered hatching eggs parasites birthed after injection into the body. Then she tells us that ominous black discs, which she calls the payload delivery system, are found in the J&J, and they seem to have micro-bubbles that, when they're dried up, have this black stringy streaks that break open, and then the discs start opening up and invading the host. Karen Kingston, a former Pfizer employee, recently announced on the Stu Peters show that patents expose there are medical devices blended within the venom concoction. Kingston also reminds us the patent proves this venom platform is an obedience training platform. Dr. Carrie Madej recently released a first look at the Pfizer vial contents she had, and she announced this on the Stu Peter show. She said there are fresh water hydra found in the vials of the venom concoctions. She added the studies of J&J do the same findings as the Pfizer findings. These hydra are biologically indestructible in that you can cut these things up into little pieces and they grow back. Even if you put them in a blender, they'll just blend, they'll, they'll find their way to each other and they'll form a whole new hydra. Dr. Madej, she notes the round spheres and she talks about them as well and she describes them as a delivery structure. She saw the translucent parasite moving around and she initially concluded these creatures were parasites. She also suggested that they could be nanobots as well. She mentions these creatures seem to form a web as they move around. Dr. Madej confirms these parasitic agents are alive once released from the disc. So almost immediately after this cryptic Antarctic 2001 news broke, a huge wave commenced of mysteriously dying microbiologists worldwide. In the four-month period from November the 12th through February 11th of 2002, seven world-class microbiologists in different parts of the world were reported dead. Six died of unnatural causes, while the cause of the seventh death is questionable. Also, on November 12th, DynCorp, a major government contractor for data processing, military operations, and intelligence work, was awarded a $322 million contract to develop, produce, and store venom for the Department of Defense. DynCorp and Hadron, both defense contractors connected to classified research programs on communicable diseases, have also been linked to a software program known as Promus, which may have helped identify and target the victims. In the six weeks prior to that November 12th day, Two additional foreign microbiologists were reported dead. Some believe there were as many as five more microbiologists killed during the period, bringing the total as high as 14. The same period also saw the deaths of three persons involved in medical research or public health. 
Prior to these deaths on October 4th, a commercial jetliner traveling from Israel to Novosibirsk, Siberia, was shot down over the Black Sea by an errant Ukrainian surface-to-air missile, killing all on board. The missile was over 100 miles off course. Despite early news stories reporting it as a charter, the flight, Air Sabir 1812, was a regularly scheduled flight. According to several press reports, including a December 5th article by Barry Chamish and one on January 13th by Jim Rary, the plane is believed by many in Israel to have had as many as five passengers who were microbiologists. Both Israel and Novosibirsk are homes for cutting-edge microbiological research. Novosibirsk is known as the scientific capital of Siberia and home to over 50 research facilities and 13 full universities for a population of only 2.5 million people. At the time of the Black Sea crash, Israeli journalists had been sounding the alarm that two Israeli microbiologists had been recently murdered, allegedly by terrorists. On November 24, a cross-air flight from Berlin to Zurich crashed on its landing approach. Of the 33 persons on board, 24 were killed, including the head of the hematology department at Israel's Itchalav Hospital, as well as directors of the Tel Aviv Public Health Department and Hebrew University School of Medicine. They were the only Israelis on the flight. Besides all being microbiologists, six of the seven scientists who died within weeks of each other died from unnatural causes, and four of the seven were doing virtually identical research. Research that has global, political, and financial significance. Perhaps nothing here? Perhaps everything. Let's recap. We've got recurring nodes of overlap here. Extreme cold temperatures needed both for the venom concoction in stories originating 20 years ago in the Antarctic and also, curiously, in the storage environment of the D-Wave quantum computers. So intrinsic in the story of CERN at this point. The CDC has a handbook titled The Venom Storage and Handling Toolkit, and the current PDF has been updated with an addendum to address proper storage, handling, transport, and emergency handling of the big C puncture devices. The requirement is to keep the venom cold chain. A cold chain is a temperature control supply chain that includes all venom-related equipment and procedures. It begins with venom manufacturing and ends with venom administration. Puncture devices must be stored properly from the time they are manufactured until they are administered. Potency is reduced every time a puncture device is exposed to an improper condition. This includes overexposure to heat, cold, or light at any step in the cold chain. Once lost, potency cannot be restored. Then there is the D-Wave system. The D-Wave system contains a QPU that must be kept at a temperature near absolute zero and isolated from the surrounding environment in order to behave quantum mechanically. 
These cryogenic temperatures are achieved using a closed-loop cryogenic dilution refrigerator system. The QPU operates at temperatures below 15 millikelvin. That is approximately 200 times colder than interstellar space. And what has D-Wave been linked to with CERN? Opening dimensional portals. Seriously? To speed computation, quantum computers tap directly into an unimaginably vast fabric of reality, the strange and counterintuitive world of quantum mechanics. While we are only at the beginning of this journey, quantum computing has the potential to lead to breakthroughs in science, business, and other domains. Giordi Rose discusses the true motive behind the broad-scale implementation of quantum computing. He basically tells his audiences that quantum mechanics are being created to replace humans. Rose tells how many scientists plan to use these things to solve world problems no human could ever solve. He tells how Google and NASA have collaborated to build machines like humans. Rose, who worked on the D-Wave project for 15 years, is now working for Kindred that is far more advanced. He elaborates how these computers can do anything humans can do, but Kindred can do everything humans can do and far better. And there's been something else going on deep down under on the tundra. It deals with parallel universes and time running backwards. Because, of course, it does. A NASA high-altitude balloon equipment called ALIDA that records high-energy particle activity in the Antarctic atmosphere, otherwise known as cosmic rays, and a paper entitled Upgoing ANITA Events as Evidenced of the CPT Symmetric Universe that tried to describe the puzzling data collected by the balloon. Alita's job is to detect these high-energy particles and what direction they are traveling in. As these particles are neutrinos, it is darn difficult to detect them, so the instruments typically pick up a lot of noise. To find the genuine neutrino events in amongst this noise, the data has to be thoroughly filtered. The NASA scientists expected the rays to be heading towards the ground. After all, they do originate from space, hence the name cosmic rays. So they filtered the data accordingly. But when they did, they saw almost no readings. But when they looked at the noise that had been filtered out, they saw that Elita had detected several events where the particles appeared to be going backwards, originating from the ground going out into space. These strange particles observed by the experiment in Antarctica could be evidence of an alternative reality where everything is upside down. Then, this on the CERN document server. The ANITA collaboration has observed two ultra-high-energy upgoing air shower events that cannot originate from the standard model neutrinos that have traversed the Earth. Several beyond-the-standard model physics scenarios have been proposed as explanations for these events. 
In this paper, we present some general arguments making it challenging for new physics to explain the events. One exceptional class of models that could work was pointed out in which metastable dark matter decays to a highly boosted lighter dark matter particle that can interact in the Earth to produce the observed events. Is there a reason the cold is so important to both the venom concoction and D-Wave computers beyond what they are telling us? Interestingly, the main super company that provides the refrigerated trucks for transport of the venom concoctions is supplied by none other than John Poindexter. Among many other interesting factoids is the fact that Poindexter owns the Cibolo Creek Ranch, the site of the death of late Supreme Anton Scalia. Poindexter is also the head of the International Order of St. Hubertus, which has much spookery encircling it. What does this all mean, and what does this all point to? Peace through strength, honor through obedience, continuance through conformity. Hail Hydra, immortal Hydra, we shall never be destroyed. Cut off one limb, and two shall take its place. We serve none but the master, as the world shall soon serve us. There. That's almost better than a mandatory puncture, ain't it? Kinda makes you feel all warm inside. Or something. Was something, some organism discovered in Antarctica and placed at the forefront of an ongoing agenda that is now only bearing fruit and coming into view? Of all careers, why microbiology for such a sudden influx of mystery deaths? And why exactly at that point on the timeline? If this is something that is part of the puzzle, then what is that organism or organisms that may have been found under the ice 20 years ago? What part does it or a hybrid modified version of it play in these events unfolding today? And just because it may have been dredged up from the bottom of an icy lake in Antarctica, does that necessarily mean it is indigenous to this planet? Your guess is as good as mine, but in a world where up is down and white is black, where the venom confidence has officially gone from 100% a few months ago to less than 0% now, get those boosters! All the sci-fi theater, Midnight Madness info is seeming to be more and more judicious by the hour. Crazy, ain't <laughs> what it used to be. But now, Crazy's got a crystal ball and a near-unblemished track record. Examine Biden's next push. Children from 5 to 11, you'll notice. Sanjay Gupta, that CNN shill and his epic set to with Joe Rogan, was even forced to admit the aim of puncturing children isn't to protect them. It's to slow the spread and protect the sickly adults around them, the obese, diabetic, death's door elderly wastoids that have got one foot in the ground already. 
Putting the young at grave risks for harm to supposedly protect the old is a sign of a sick, decaying society. Will their next push be to toss infants into the volcano or the image of Moloch to appease the big sea god at this point? What's the old Watergate maxim? Follow the money. Follow the big sea money. And you'll find an agenda with names on it like Gates, Schwab, Fauci, Epstein. And what are their shared interests? I'll tell you what, and this is no joke. This is a child-sacrificing cult from the word go. This is the anti-life equation brought out into the light. What do you call injecting experimentalism into a captive subset that has not even close to but zero risk of contracting this sickness? What is the possible upside here, other than funeral expenses and flower deliveries? Let us all also never forget that it was the entire Big C global cytokine storm that knocked on the on-fire Epstein controversy right off the front pages and out of the forefront of everyone's brain. Do you honestly think that wasn't engineered? Or the fact that this all miraculously just happens to circle back to the killing of children somehow? There are no coincidences. Can you even imagine being so full of shame and regret that your only answer to a simple question about what's in the concoction is to literally run? Vanessa Gelman freaked out when Project Veritas tried to question her about the fetal cells in the concoctions. Seriously, though, if you feel the need to abjectly flee and hide because of your actions, it's probably about time to reassess where you are and what you're doing in your so-called life. And still they go at it, as if you know what's in the concoction. Nope, you don't. They refuse to release a full 20% of what's in these concoctions. The FDA assured the public that it will provide transparency for any concoction it approves. That promise would surely include letting the public know what is in the vial being injected into the arms of millions of people. Nonetheless, the FDA has chosen to hide from the public an ingredient that constitutes more than 20% of the undiluted vial of each Pfizer concoction. Upon licensure of the concoction, the FDA authorized a fact sheet to be given to the public which includes a list of ingredients in the concoction. Amazingly, this list doesn't mention a secret ingredient. What's the secret ingredient? Nobody knows other than Pfizer and the FDA. And the technical documentation that is not intended for general public distribution, the FDA disclosed that this secret ingredient constitutes about 22% of the undiluted vial but completely redacted the name of the secret ingredient. But go ahead, you can trust them. Ah, they've all only been fined billions over the last decade for fraud, misconduct, racketeering, and negligence. Truly all honorable people. So it literally could be anything from self-assembling nanostructures, DNA-modifying brain-blood barrier machines, living organisms, immune system-destroying AD adjuncts, tentacled Cthulhu bots. Well, if you can pretty much imagine it, it's in there. 
Let us also not forget exactly why they are all so adamant to get those 5G towers up in the schools while we were all locked down back in 2020 for those three to four months or so. Mostly in that period from March to May. Huh. So, on August the 31st, 2021, the USPTO patent database confirms there will be contact tracing of all people who have had the venom concoction. They will be connected to the Internet of Things by a quantum link of pulsating microwave frequencies of 2.4 gigahertz from the cell phone towers. Remember Welcome to the Machine by Pink Floyd? It is the second song on their 1975 album, Wish You Were Here. Once the infrastructure is in place, it's as easy as pie. Welcome to the machine indeed. What did you dream? It's all right. We told you what to dream. Reports continue to pour in along with the deaths that the concoctions are routinely modifying and erasing our spirituality. All par for the course. This is a psychological, sociological experiment we are in the middle of. Milgram on the most massive scale imaginable. It's all hands on deck and ears to the train tracks, my tigers and tigresses, because something's coming. But fear not, the trees are about to show us how beautiful it is to let things go. In 1984, George Orwell. They fear love because it creates a world they cannot control. <laughs> 